All right. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to Music Maniacs with Sight After Dark. Uh-huh. If you're crazy about music, then you're in the right place, yep. okay? We love music, and that's all that we do on this podcast. We talk about the best musicians, their stories, yep. all the crazy stuff that they've done in their lives. Yeah. And on this episode, uh-huh. we're talking about the biggest, biggest, heaviest band. Heaviest that's ever existed. <laughs> and if you oh, and if you didn't know already, we're talking about the legendary, the stunning, no. <laughs> the electrifying Metallica. <laughs> Woo! So if you want to hear about the real Metallica story from real Metallica fans, then keep watching or listening, depending on where you are. This is, um, I feel like this has been one on our list to do for so long. A very long time. And I'm so excited to do I'm this. super excited to do Metallica. I don't even know, like, how, I feel like I say this all the time, but I don't even know where to start. There's this, we're literally talking about, look, there's bigger bands that have existed, not many. Mm-hmm. There's heavier bands that have existed. Yeah. But there is not any band that is bigger and heavier than this band. Yeah, this they is are the super band. 100%. Yeah. And I'm so excited. Um, yeah. Where do you want to start it? Let's start in shiny California, where everything begins. Yes. With um, a fellow named James. Mm -hmm. James Hetfield. Mm -hmm. We call him Jimmy, but that's just us. (laughs) Yeah. My boy Jimmy, I got him. He's hanging out with us over here. Uh He came to make sure that we're saying the right things. Yeah. If if we say the wrong thing, he's going to set us on fire. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. So I believe he was born in... Downey, California, something like that. Like some smaller California town, not like, you know, the big city necessarily. Exactly. To a family that was a family of Christian scientists. Yeah. Really interesting. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't know what Christian science is, it means that the only science that exists is God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Basically, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, the master scientist. The 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 master master of of science. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Master. (laughs) Master. Um, so yeah, so they didn't believe in medicine. Right. Right. And as a result, his mother died of cancer. Of cancer pretty young when they she probably could have ended up living a little longer had they, you know, wanted to go through the medical system and, yeah. and those kinds of things. Yeah, because you know, kind of the things that lead up to cancer, you know, it's already kinda like the bad food and the bad air and all that stuff like that. You might want to go through with the bad hospital remedies to just see if you could just figure something out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you were living homeopathic, I can understand if you go homeopathic for cancer, but you know, you should just kind of keep it. You got to keep it consistent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how I feel. Well, it is what it is. Um, it's unfortunate that, that, you know, that was a experience that James had to deal with when mm-hmm. he was growing up mm-hmm. and he was also kind of alienated in school. Cause he was, he would be saying like, you know, they would be in health class um, when he was a child, and they would literally take him, just him, out of the of, out of the classroom. Yeah. Because like, oh no, he can't be hearing this. Right. So then right. you know, you know how kids are. They're like, oh, what a freak. He's he can't be in the class with all of us. Blah 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 blah. So, yeah, you automatically think something's wrong with him. Like, yeah. You know, but nothing was wrong with James. And if you want your kid to go <laughs> full angry, full evil on you, set him up. With Christian science and take his mom away. That's what you got to do. It happened to Bambi. Bambi was evil. Oh, wait, no. And her mom was a Christian scientist. (laughs) Hey, fun fact, you know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you want to set your kid up for alienation at a high scale, 
Yeah. Um, and that's a good way to do it. Yeah. And he became a very alienated young man, mm-hmm. which is kind of uh, how you get into heavy metal music, yeah. especially back in the day. A good remedy for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is really early, which is crazy because it's like the heavy metal boom is like later on in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about late 70s going into early 80s. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. So James is all by himself and he's like, am I evil? He's thinking to himself. Am I evil? <laughs> and then the other voice goes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. He's like, I should start a band. He's like, damn it. I thought I was good. <laughs> so yeah, so he wanted to start a band. He wanted to get his, his anxiety and his anger out through music, which yeah. is the, probably the most constructive way to do that. Exactly. Exactly. He could have robbed and killed some people. You yeah. know what I mean? He could have been... Billy the Kid or something like that. And he's a scary kind of guy. He's, he's a big, big dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He could easily just fuck people up. Yeah. Yeah. And he probably did fuck some people up, but that wasn't his main right. <laughs> um, avenue. <laughs> exactly. If they picked on you, James, I hope you did fuck him up a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They deserve it. Yeah. And honing in on his vocals, his voice and stuff like that. His voice is even like, it's so gruff. He can make it so gruff sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. That's a good, good, good. Him being alienated, him being able to kind of delve deep into his own talent kind mm-hmm. of like let it bud let it grow i think that it's it's crazy to say but that was a good formula to make a james head feel you know well it's really it's the only formula one would say yeah yeah you know uh-huh but uh so james had um he was he had all that going on and obviously he wanted to get into metal music and there was another person around the area mm-hmm. at the time who was also into metal music. Uh-huh. And I can't remember who... Somebody put an ad in the newspaper. I can't remember if it was Lars or James. Uh-huh. I don't remember who it was. Me neither. Actually, I think it was James. I think he was like, I need a drummer or something. Mm-hmm. And there was literally only one other person that was interested in heavy metal in the entire area. Yeah. And it was Lars. Yeah, so we're talking about Lars Ulrich, a true American. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a Danish-American. <laughs> Whose father was a tennis pro. I didn't know that until recently. Yeah. And into like lots of different types of music Mm -hmm. and also knew different types of musicians and stuff Mm -hmm. when he was growing up. So Lars was totally engulfed in music, not metal per se. Right. Right. More like jazz. Well, when he was growing up, metal wasn't even really a thing. Exactly. I mean, they were born in the 60s. Nothing too hardcore. Yeah, exactly. Nothing too hardcore. Nothing too, you know, um, I don't know, gothic or anything like that. He was just pretty much into jazz and that's how he honed his amazing drum skills as dan would say (laughs) as i would say i thought you said that as the internet would say (laughs) lars is the internet's most loved drummer if you guys didn't know everybody on the internet just thinks he's the greatest (laughs) (laughs) but but it's funny though because this this goes back to a theory that i've said on this podcast many times I think that in order to be the drummer, you have to be the most athletic person. Yeah. And his dad was a tennis pro and he grew up playing tennis. He was like ranked in Denmark. Yeah. Um, for like a while. And then it was funny. He was saying like, yeah, I, I was ranked really high in the country. And then I moved to LA and I was like not even 10th in my neighborhood. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like too much land out there in California. It's welcome like, to America, Lars. Exactly. The tennis court in the backyard is just like having a bathroom in, <laughs> in California. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, so they end up getting together. And Lars actually, so he had some connections in the metal scene. Mm-hmm. He actually was like, had gone back to like England and was like kind of meeting up with some of like the English, like new wave of heavy metal bands. Right, right. And, you know, he was just like really engrossed himself into the metal scene and made a lot of connections. Yeah. And those connections ended up really helping Metallica down the, Metallica down the road, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. well, 
as of now, it's not even Metallica yet. Really, no, it's just these no. two guys. Yep, it's Lars and James. <laughs> yeah, Lars and James. No S's, no plurals. Lars and James. That's it. Um. So yeah, so they ended up getting together, and it was funny because Lars knew some dude that was putting together like a metal compilation album. Yeah. And he was basically like, hey, can I get a spot on the album? And the guy was like, sure. Do you have a band? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, no, but I could get one. Right. Because this is the thing about Lars. You know, some people might say he's not the greatest technical drummer. He's clearly a very driven individual. Yes, and just a good like James, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know what? There's a spot on this on this album for us. We're gonna make a fucking band. Yeah, we're gonna take it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I, I mean, that's where the opportunity just comes in. You definitely have to take it, and you just make your way. You know, in I'm just thinking he's probably like, listen, man. Even if we get rid of these guys like right after, let's just use them now. Tell them what yeah. they're gonna do, and do it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so they ended up getting the band together. The original formation was we had Lars on the drums. Yes. We had James singing and playing guitar. <laughs> we had Ron McGovney on the bass guitar. Yes. And we had another fellow on a guitar, mm-hmm. uh, a charming young lad by the name of Dave Mustaine. Uh-huh. Hi, Dave. Which I kind of just realized that kind of rhymes. Dave Mustaine? Oh, yeah. I never. I don't know how I never realized that before, but that is not really important. Yeah. David Mustaine doesn't rhyme, though. Yeah. We don't use the official names here. <laughs> Lar, Jame, and Dave. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll get into this more, but Dave was a bit of an angry person. <laughs> yes. He was battling a lot of uh, drugs and alcohol addiction at the time. Yeah. You know, so, you know, with that, with that drug addiction... And the fame that's coming on down the road. Mm-hmm. We're kind of foreshadowing a little bit of trouble. A little bit. Just a tiny. And the thing is, it's it's really interesting with Metallica. Like, a lot of the bands that we talked about, you know, especially on this podcast, they have a lot of problems with drugs. Mm-hmm. And Metallica didn't have too many drug problems, really. It was just booze. Yeah. They were all about the booze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up with a nickname, which I think is fucking great. <laughs> Alcoholica, which is just a mate. That's top tier nickname, yeah, right there. Yeah. I mean, you got. I don't even think they could be mad at that. No, like, no. you gotta laugh at that. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, the four of them are together, um, and they're starting to play around, and you know, they record um, for that for that compilation. And L.A. was not really feeling them. No, no, they were a little too hardcore. Let's be real. Yeah, we're talking about the early eighties here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the glam metal. Exactly. And you have, you know, I mean, I always say Motley Crue because it's just so easy to use them as like the poster child for this. Yeah. But when you put, you know, Motley Crue and like Poison. Yes. Janie Lane. Some people like that too. Yeah. <laughs> Next to Metallica. Yeah. It's like, whoa, these guys are scary. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can't even imagine James with lipstick. <laughs> you can't. You know, you know, he would look really good in. What? A perm. <laughs> yeah you can take the hair bigger it was bigger enough it was big enough yeah just make it bigger james come on <laughs> but yeah so um they really from the very beginning like they really cut their bones playing live shows yeah because the radio was not gonna have anything to do with this crazy crazy aggressive music mm-hmm. and it's funny like they were saying like these other glam bands like they were like making music to like get girls and shit and they were like we're just making music because this is what we do like, right we're not doing this for some ulterior motive yeah it's like this is just how we 
express ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. So here they are standing in the test of time. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing it already. No. Yes. (laughs) Knowing knowing way beforehand that everything was going to work out. No, that's not ever how it goes, people. Mm -mm. Um, So, yeah, they were really into the alcohol. Mm -hmm. And Ron... Was not super into the boozing and the partying. Right. And he got sick of that shit real quick. Yeah. And he was like, I'm out. I'm out of here. Isn't that crazy? Um, He's got to think he did the best decision for his life. But that's weird how things work out. Like, you know what I mean? But it probably took Ron, you know, leaving for them to say, okay, we got to bring the booze down just about a quarter. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Not maybe. Dave. Right. Not Dave. <laughs> not Dave. Maybe the rest. I'm going to go with strong maybe on that. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't have any evidence to support it. But on this podcast, what we say goes. Exactly. Damn it. We'll make it up. Because yeah. we're in. J- James is right here. What he's whispering into our ear right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. Right. He's in the earpiece. <laughs> okay. So Ron's out. Yeah. They're like, we need a new bass player. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, doing, looking into some, some people. Yeah. That slapped the strings. Mm-hmm. You know, some things like that. And they ended up seeing this guy At with his show. other band. Yes. What was his name? Clifford Lee Burton. Yes. Mm-hmm. They met a fellow named Cliff Burton, mm-hmm. who basically, by all intents and purposes, was just a, he was a bit of a maestro on the bass. Yeah. Because <laughs> they saw him and they were like, oh man, that guy did a really great guitar solo. We really, really loved it. And then they found out that it was the bass that he was playing. Yeah. And they were like, whoa. They were like, holy, this is a, this is my, this is blowing my mind. We have to get this guy. We have to get this. He's a master of strings. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are the strings attached to? <laughs> A puppeteer. Ah. Who is Cliff? Ah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, they were like, we got to get this guy. Yeah. If we get this guy in our band, it's taken us up a couple notches. Uh-huh. So, they were trying to get him to join the band for like a couple months. Yeah. They were they were courting him, as I heard James say, which mm-hmm. is, kind of, sounds kind of cute. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he wasn't really having it until eventually, honestly... To me, what it seems like Cliff did is he kind of like fucked them off. Yeah. Because he he was just like these guys won't leave me alone. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll join I'll join the band, but like, um, you guys have to come to San Francisco. I'm not going. I'm not moving to L.A. Right. Probably thinking I'm never gonna hear from these guys again. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. I, again, I don't have any evidence to support this, but just that story. Like, if somebody, like, l- like, let's say this. You know, we're a band, right? Side after dark. Check out our music. Where you check out music, and um, let's say we were playing. And um, some dude from D.C. who was like a drummer mm-hmm. saw us. It was like, holy shit, you guys got to join my band. You guys are crazy. If you join my band, we can make shit happen or whatever. And we're just kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. And he keeps bugging us for a couple months. Yeah. And eventually we're just like, geez, all right, bro. If you move to New York, we'll join the band. Right. Not really thinking that's going to happen. Yeah. So I like to imagine that Cliff said that to them. <laughs> Not thinking he was ever going to see them again. Then he went back to San Francisco and gets like a knock on the door. Yeah. Like two days later. And it's the whole crew. Like, hey, we came. <laughs> I know that's not actually what happened, but that's how I like to picture it in my mind. Yeah. I like to picture it like this. Dave, had, I mean, uh, Cliff had his own band called Easy Street. And he was literally living on Easy Street. Mm. So everything was going really good because he's such a master bass player. And then James and Lars came to Easy Street. And then ended up with the band. <laughs> I like it. I like it. They took over Easy Street. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so eventually they were like, 
okay, this guy that's fucking amazing mm-hmm. wants us to move to San Francisco to be in the band. Well, LA wasn't treating us very well anyway. Right. So why not? I mean, what do we have to lose? Yeah, they were tired of getting slapped in the face by like Brett Michaels and, you know, Chaney Lane and freaking Mick Mars, you know, just slapping him around while they had lipstick on, you know. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah, nobody needs that. We're bigger and better than this. Yeah. Let's go you to San Francisco where the real people live. That's right. <laughs> I'm just making shit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shout out to LA and shout out to California. Team I've never San been Francisco. there. <laughs> I've never been to California either. Team 49ers. East Coast, damn it. Team Steve Young and Jerry Rice. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So so they, they moved the band to San Francisco. And apparently people were way more accepting of them there. They mm-hmm. got they started to get a way bigger fan base. It, again, they they were always making their bread and butter by playing live all the time and just yeah. putting on an amazing show. Yeah. And eventually they get noticed by like some record label exec somehow mm-hmm. who's here in New York City. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's like, hey, like we want to sign you guys. Uh, come out to New York. So they do it. I mean, literally on like no money. I don't even know how the fuck they got there. They might have took a bus or something. Yeah. They're eating just like their whole, their lunch is like a slice of bologna. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sustainable food. Yeah, very healthy. Mm-hmm. So, they, but eventually they make it out to New York to meet up with this guy, and they they literally didn't have a place to stay. They didn't have a place to rehearse. They actually ended up rehearsing at a place uh, Anthrax the band had out in Queens. Right. And they ended up living there. Yeah. Um, for a while, mm-hmm. where all the big artists seem to come from, Queens. Queens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah shout out to queens yeah and let us know in the comments how it is when californians first come to new york i can only imagine how it is when new yorkers first go to california it's like ah this is this so is nice. chill this is yeah, so pretty yeah, yeah. L- let us know what happens when you guys come over to new york how you feel <laughs> i feel like it's it's interesting you say that because i feel like it's fine it was fine for them because they were already aggressive as fuck anyway yeah so nobody was gonna step on them like right. nobody's stepping on james yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's going to handle himself regardless of where he is. Right. Maybe the pace might have been a little, had to get a little used to. Yeah, and, and the visuals. You know what I'm saying? Because you could see a whole bunch of lights and stuff like that, but you can see a lot of grime yeah, beneath yeah, the lights. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that usually is Hit a turn the off. lights. <laughs> you know? Sorry. Exit light. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> that usually is a turn off for a lot of people. You know, you know I've, I've heard dirty and stinky about New York. At least one of those is true. <laughs> You tell me which one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they were all, the four of them were living there for a while, but it would soon be the three of them. Yes. Because let's be real, you know, this obviously starts a feud later on, but I feel like they did Dave pretty dirty. Yeah. I mean, like we said before, his alcohol problem was way worse than everybody else's. And he even said, I saw an interview with him, he's like, we would all get drunk and they would be silly drunk and I would be angry drunk. Yeah. And that does not mix. No, 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 no. Not at all. So they're living in this studio, I and party pooper is is the <laughs> technical term. Dave the party pooper Mustaine <laughs> was living on the floor in this studio in Queens somewhere, and literally the rest of the band one day they just woke him up and they were just like, "You're out." He's like, "What? That's that's it? No warning? No nothing? Yeah, you're out." Oh, fuck! All right. Well, when does my plane leave? <laughs> plane? like here's a bus here's a bus ticket for the greyhound it'll take you about four days we got to get you to the port authority bus station um in about 45 minutes so get your shit and you're out 
I mean, that... Wipe your hands clean. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone. That's pretty, pretty bad. And it, I honestly feel Dave still looks confused to this day. Like, when he talks about... he's. I swear to you, that sat with him for years. Even with the success that Megadeth had and stuff like that, he yeah. still looks like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously he went on to found Megadeth, with all, which also became a very successful band. So yeah. it's not like he ended up homeless after this. Right. But, you know, that's not a great feeling. No, not at all. And that could definitely cause some bitterness and some resentment that he would carry with him for a while if he, if not still carries with him, Yeah. honestly. I don't know the guy like that. Yeah. He's but, not up here to defend himself either. Yeah, we only have James. We're biased. Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, so they got rid of him, and then this is when Kirk Hammett comes in. I don't know how they knew Kirk. No, I really don't. Um, Kirk comes in, but is an excellent uh, musician as well, and um, I really don't know. Please let us know, though, in the comments, because I don't know exactly how they know um, Kirk and how he came in. Maybe he's an industry plant. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the powers that be put our nephew in. (laughs) Yeah, we're the only industry plants here. (laughs) It's Um, like my little nephew, Kirky. He can fill in the spot. <laughs> like, can he even play? And he's like, Psh. okay, I guess he, yeah, I guess he has the spot. We've been grooming him in a room by himself for years, waiting for you guys. <laughs> yeah. We deprived him of all things but a guitar and an amp. He doesn't even eat food. You'll love him. Um, but yeah, so Kirk auditioned and he joined the band. They flew him out to New York. Like, mm-hmm. they were still in New York when Kirk joined. Like, yeah. they hadn't even gone back to Cali yet. Right, right. And then they, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they basically recorded their whole first album out there, right? Yeah. Or over here. Yes. Out here. Out yeah. here. Oh, yeah. we put them all together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that album would be called Kill Em All. Because that's what they wanted to do. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah. They killed them all with their music and their rock. Yeah. The power of the rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the raw energy on that album is insane. To this day, you know, uh, we've definitely picked um, Jump in the Fire as one of our favorite Mm -hmm. songs, you know, one of our favorite bass lines. And it was so crazy. I just have to put this in because I can remember our our, um, little meme, our little video for that. And both of our heads are like this. Yeah. 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 We're we're talking about bass line. And both of our heads were like this just That's like funny, listening yeah. and that was crazy like they they they, they technically did kind of kill us you know what i mean we bit. were we were slightly you know they were killing us softly with their songs <laughs> <laughs> killing them all softly kill them all parentheses softly <laughs> with a song could you imagine if they covered that <laughs> that would be awesome i think i would love to hear the whoa from in a pain <laughs> with a finger <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I was about to go into the whoa whoa. Thanks for stopping me. Okay. We got we got more Metallica to talk about. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, so they record that first album, and it's just the aggression on that album is unmatched in almost all music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, this is what this is um, thrash metal. Yes, because it's like a combination of like the intricacies of metal. Yeah, with the speed and the aggression of punk. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still baffled. At the fact that this is 1981, okay? Because we're talking a lot of soft rock, yacht rock, you know what I'm saying? Easy tunes on the radio, you know? And um, that's definitely what I think of when I think of the early 80s. And mm-hmm. it's like when I, I still, I got the Dave Mustaine look on my face, like whenever I'm like, 81? How? How? Well, that's the thing, is that they were so 
different than everybody else that like they basically were on their own mm-hmm. like the radio was not playing them mtv which obviously was big at the time was not playing them mm-hmm. they had to do everything themselves and they built their audience by just playing everywhere they could and just completely rocking the show as hard as they possibly could yeah. and i think and it's funny i was before we um started the podcast we were talking about how insane it is that this band could be so big but we all still feel so connected to them yeah and i think that's really what it was ah yeah the person-to-person connection yeah and now even though they're so huge on stage they can still connect to you because people like times change but people at that at the root don't really change right. they still have the same desires especially when they're coming out to see a live show they Absolutely. still have the same needs so they can still connect to you mm-hmm. you know and they could still you know become kind of corporate giants and rob you a little bit and take a lot of money from you but <laughs> you'll give them your money <laughs> damn right because they seem like nice guys on top yeah. of the um the the thrashing and the hardcore yeah but I just really think that's what it is because, again, like, they were not getting anything from anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, all they had was their people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they, like, really, like, the only thing that they had was the, the metalheads that connected with them. Yeah. So when they're, they're building up, nobody's backing them. Their, their label had no money. Yeah. The radio wasn't playing them. MTV wasn't playing them. The only thing that they had were these people coming out to their shows for yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and they got to the point where they could basically pack stadiums before they even had a music video out. Yeah. Yeah. We're not giving you nothing, guys. And they're like, fuck you. We, we don't got, need you. We got the people. That's right. <laughs> and that's basically what happened. And, you know, it starts small and then they just keep playing and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, imagine being one of those people at one of those shows. It's like, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. And uh, I want to go into the band name, too, because it's like it seems like such a simple name. But, but at the perfect. same time, it's the most amazing name. You get, Right. You see the name and you're they're like cylinders that kind of fire off in your yeah. brain. You're like, oh, I got to listen to yeah. Metallica. You yeah. Know? And even it's like you just hear the name and you kind of know what it's going to be. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of it's it is really a, a perfect name. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an entity, like a force or like a huge robot. Like, or, you know what I'm saying? It just you know why? Like, why? Because it is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's true, though. I mm-hmm. mean, the name really gets across everything. It's it's such a perfect name. It almost seems like it was just me- it was meant to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because they're the pioneers for it, mm-hmm. it couldn't go to another a, a more perfect band. You know right. what I'm saying? It's like, we started this. You know what I mean? So imagine if, you know, we called ourselves Rap Rockica. One <laughs> <laughs> word. We should, you know, what we should call ourselves what? Lincoln Park. <laughs> that <gasps> would be a good, good name. Oh we should change gosh. the name of the band yeah. from Side After Dark to mm-hmm. Lincoln Park. No one's ever taken that. Listen, do not come in our comments and say that name is taken. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah. So Metallica, they put out the first album, yes. and then they're just building up their whole fan base by themselves, just playing these shows. They put out the second album. Yeah. Uh, Ride the Lightning. Yes. Which is basically just, you know, furthering everything that was happening on the first album. Mm-hmm. It's still fast. It's still thrashy, but it's getting a little more complex. Um, the chords are getting a little different. Yeah. The harmonies are getting a little harder. Absolutely. You know? Like, I mean, Jump in the Fire is an awesome song from Kill 'Em All, but just take the difference of that and um, for whom the bell tolls. Right. Right. It's yeah, just yeah. like, you know, now you got a bell in the beginning. You're mm-hmm. like waiting and, you know, you're getting kind of inundated into uh uh i don't know like a vortex of music right you just keep getting pulled more and more further into it and then it's like you're like holy crap what's gonna happen yeah they're awesome they fight 
In the early day. <laughs> exactly. Constant chill deep inside. <laughs> ah, I love it. Um, I'm going to listen to this on the way home. 100%. <laughs> but then also, this is really interesting. I heard James say talk about this once. He was like, he learned harmony and melody from Cliff. Wow. The bass player. Yeah. You have the singer and guitarist learning how to make harmonies from the bass player and you can tell that between those two albums how much more harmonically complex that music is even if you're not like a music person to even like really know what harmonies mean right you could hear that album and be like this is a lot more complex yeah that doesn't mean it's bad that doesn't mean it's any less aggressive right but there's clearly a lot more going on in that second album yeah um cliff this is wherever you are right now this is definitely what you needed to build your musicianship, to make you go from amazing to a fucking amazing. Like, from amazing to complete legend. Yes. From all time. Yes, yes. Yeah. Number 11 on Rolling Stone's best basis of all times. Who is number one? I don't know. Not Me? Cliff. Well, it's probably Paul McCartney. It's Rolling Stone magazine. Let's let's be honest here. Oh, okay. Sorry, Rolling Stone. Well, that's a different discussion. Hook us up and make an article of us whenever you want to. But at the same time... You don't have any bass player, though. You don't mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, So after um, Ride the Lightning, they tour Europe. Mm -hmm. And they're just... Now they're really starting to get way bigger yes you know just everybody that's coming to their show they you know again they feel so connected to this band it's like they they really came up from the ground up they really built it themselves and again it's like you know if you're if all you know at that time is what's on the radio and like what's on mtv and shit and your friend's like yo you gotta come see this band from america i heard about right or whatever whatever language i don't think it would sound like that (laughs) (laughs) but have you heard Metallica? I think it went more like that. Yeah, and the, like let's say your friend is like, "Oh, you got to come see this band. Uh, I, it's amazing." And like, I never heard of them, but you know, your friend kind of drags you to the show, mm-hmm. and then you're at the show, you're like, "What? <laughs> this <true>. exists? <laughs> this is the craziest thing I've ever seen." Yeah, you will never not be a fan of them for the rest of your life after that. Yeah, that's true. And like uh, the pool for music is so vast now you know we've mm-hmm. got like new wave you got pop stars you got rap you got you know rock is changing a little bit more and we're talking about about the mid 80s as they're getting towards their third album so now for some reason i could really see them right there in the crux of music but for some reason before i'm just like how did they think about this kind of music in 1980 i still don't get it like, it's wild. That, i mean they were really that ahead of the time mm-hmm. it's that's it just is what it is mm-hmm. you know it's hard to quantify that yeah for it sure. really is that's true but yeah, so they're just getting bigger and bigger. They go to the studio to record the third album, mm-hmm. which is basically considered to be one of the greatest albums of all time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And also considered to be their best album, too, for a lot of people as well. Yeah. And again, it's just another, it's just a culmination of what we were talking about on the other two albums. Yeah. You know, it's just getting, it's still thrashing. Yeah. It's still aggressive, but mm-hmm. it's getting more complex and it's getting more. Dare I say beautiful? That's true too. Yes, yes. More beauty in the chords. But for me, I love this album, Master of Puppets. But you know, I like Ride the Lightning and Kill Them All Better. You know why? Because they got too big. Because they got too big big on us. (laughs) Yep. But (laughs) that's so funny. (laughs) How do you feel about the Black Album? It's it's not Ride the Lightning, okay? It's just not. We'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they record um, 
Master of Puppets, which is also basically a concept album. Because mm-hmm. it's all about just different ways of manipulating and controlling people. Yes, yes, yes. Which I, I really find interesting, mm-hmm. you know? We're not messing with no dummies here, okay? Mm-mm. There's, yeah. It's like you clearly you listen to that album. You're like, this shit is deep. Yeah. This is not just some stupid like you know kind of like frat guy band. Just like girls, right. girls, girls. And again, <laughs> I don't mean to talk shit about Molly Crew all the time. It's just the easiest example to make. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. do like Molly yeah. Because we love not, the crew. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, as a contrast, it's just an easy thing to yeah. talk about. Mm-hmm. You know. So clearly, listening to this is like this is this is some next level shit. Mm-hmm. This is some other shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it's just. Some of the music in there is so beautiful, like the breakdown on Master of Puppets, where it gets clean. It's almost, it's clearly like a classical influence. Yeah. Um, Orion, I love everything about that. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. The bass, everything is so good. Yeah, yeah. Too good, too good. Oh my gosh. You want to get smart, you alienate yourself from all your school friends. And that's how you make genius music. That's how you become an individual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but things were going a little too good. Yeah. And whatever force in the universe that you want to say controls things was like, you know what? Something's going to change here. <laughs> we need a choir for the heavens. We don't have a bass player. <laughs> we, the, the heaven band. <laughs> it's real, our bass player sucks. <laughs> We got to get someone. And, you know, we're we're joking because, you know, we want to bring some light to the situation. But it yes. is really sad what yeah, happened. Yeah, so, tragic. Mm-hmm. So they're on tour and in Europe ghastly, again. In yeah, ghastly. Yeah. Yeah. It is really, I mean, it's... It's it's a horror story. Yeah, it is. Um, They're in Europe. They're touring. And they're in, like, um, Finland or something. Like, one of the really cold places. Mm-hmm. And the bus hits a patch of black ice. And it's actually interesting. Do you ever see this interview with Kirk where he was talking about the bunks that they were sleeping in that day? No. So Cliff and Kirk were arguing about what bunk they were going to sleep in that day. Mm-hmm. And they drew cards to decide who got the better bunk. Mm-hmm. And Cliff drew the Ace of Spades. Oh, man. So he was like, I'm taking your bunk, Kirk. That's crazy because Lemmy is one of Kirk's favorite um, uh, bassists. Uh, guitarist. Um, Lemmy. Kirk or Cliff? I'm sorry, Cliff. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So many K's and C's here, okay? Give me yeah. a second. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah, Cliff's one of his favorites. Uh, Getty Lee is another one favorite, you know, and um, yeah. Geezer is also another favorite. Geezer but, Butler, yeah. Black Sabbath, shout out. But it's crazy that he draws the Ace of Spades, and it's crazy that, you know, you're talking about the forces or whatever, and you draw cards, because they always say, like, cards are it's like a spell, in a way. You mm. know what I mean? So this is insane. It's all supposed to happen, you know? Yeah. In some twisted way. Yeah. But yeah, so Cliff drew the card, and he was like, all right, Kirk, I'm taking your bunk. So you got to deal with my shitty bunk. And he's like, all right. Kirk's like, fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. So they're all asleep. It's like five in the morning, and the bus hits a patch of black ice and rolls over. Yes. Kirk was like, Kirk woke up. He was like, I thought we were falling off a cliff. Because like you, you don't know what's happening. You're right. just you're literally getting tossed around like clothes in a laundry machine. Yes, yes. And you know this is definitely not a made up story or anything like that. I actually know a band that ha- had an accent like this. Um, and the bassist woke up in the air like he flew through a window and he woke that's how he woke up flying in the air about to hit something so Uh, these things do happen on tours you know people get sleepy you know you don't really see something on the road black ice is a fucking killer okay it really is literally yeah 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 so yeah so the, the the bus flips and um cliff got thrown out of the bus Mm -hmm. and then the bus landed on top of him yes you don't survive that no not at all 
I mean, that is really sad. And um, James's reaction was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, it's like he believed it, but couldn't believe like, like almost like this again. Like, you know what I mean? Like somebody that I really need is like ripped from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And I, Kirk was talking about it. He was like, I heard everybody screaming, but Cliff. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew something was really wrong. Yeah. And then I, you know, James was like, he was like screaming at the bus driver. He was, he literally said they were like in their underwear it's like negative 10 degrees outside. He's like, what black ice? Where's that fucking black ice? And James is like walking miles up and down the road. Like, I don't see it. Uh, what are you talking about, man? He's, he's just like, but it's just, it's not anyone's fault. Really. It's just, it's just right. a shitty thing. Like it really is a shitty thing, but like, you know, just kind of going into James's headspace. It's like, you lose your mom and then you're finally like, okay, well I lost my mom to get this. And then you get your, your pal taken away from you. Cause remember you're like, oh, he's teaching him how to make melodies. He's actually teaching him how to be a better musician. Mm-hmm. Just like his mom, I'm sure was teaching him to be a good human. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or, yeah. you know, do things right. And then all of a sudden this happens and it's like, yeah, I would go looking for the fucking black eyes too. I would want to kill it whatever it is like you know yeah yeah and then this is the thing where um it's so weird how when art and business collides because as an artist you're like my best friend my brother someone that we've spent all this time with just died Mm -hmm. i don't want to i need time to grieve yeah but the business of it is like you know you have a whole tour booked in a month, right? Yeah. We're yeah. not just going to cancel that. Yeah, yeah. They were literally promoting the tour at the time. And this is like around 86. This is kind of a reminder of like, it reminds me of like when um Randy Rhodes died too. Mm. Like, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah. And like Ozzy wanted to stop and share and was like, fuck no. We got a lot of money to make. And like, unfortunately, you do have to keep going. I want to say that this may be a Dave Mustaine hex. Maybe we're sitting in a room. <laughs> I'm going to blame Dave Mustaine. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm just joking. I don't blame you, Dave. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not Holy your shit. fault. We love you. And yeah. we love Megadeth, too. Yes. Shout out to Megadeth. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, they're like, well, we got to get a new bass player. Yeah. So... You know, they auditioned. I mean, obviously, they were really in a bad headspace at the time. They I would were, hate them all. Everybody playing, I'd be like, they suck. Exactly. And that's basically what it was. Yes. And it's funny. Um, One of the people that tried out was actually Les Claypool. That's crazy. And James, well, Les was like, they never called me back. Mm-hmm. But James, the way that he said it in an interview was like, he was too good. He had to go do his own thing. <laughs> and also, he was like, he doesn't listen to metal. Like, it's not, he's... Apparently, Les in the audition was like, so you guys like the Isley Brothers? <laughs> and nobody laughed. <laughs> they were like, okay, you're really great, but this is not this is not a fit. Right. Anyway. So, yeah. I mean, they're literally like, they're wasted at the audition. They're trying to drown their sorrow, basically, while they're trying to move on. Mm-hmm. And then ev- eventually, they do find a replacement yeah. by the name of Jason mm-hmm. Newstead. Mm-hmm. And honestly... Obviously, you feel bad for Cliff being that he lost his fucking life. But in the whole Metallica story, I really feel bad for Jason. Yeah. Because he, it's not his fault that any of this happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they they give him the job and he's fucking really excited. He was Mm -hmm. like, holy shit, I'm about to be in Metallica. That's like, I love Metallica. He said that he was such a big fan when he read that Cliff died, like he cried. Yeah. Like he's been a Metallica fan. Now he gets to be in Metallica. He's all excited. And, you know, one side of the table, he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to be the new Metallica bass player. And then on the other side of the table, you have three guys sitting there like, you know, our friend just died, right? Yeah, yeah. 
it's it, it would be one thing if like cliff co-signed him like how like you know like bond scott you know like how acdc went you know somebody dies and then somebody comes to replace it and everybody's not happy about it but they're like you know well somebody yeah. gave you and bond he said gave before you. he died yes yeah. you know what i mean but in this case it's not the case and it's just like you're trying to cheer people up at a funeral basically mm-hmm. come on guys let's uh, clap it up and you're just like somebody died yeah, like two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, the timeline of it is really insane. Yes. But because of that, they basically hazed the fuck out of Jason. Yeah. They treated him like shit. Yes, they did. And again, it's one of those things, like, from their perspective, this is what they said. Like, Kirk was like, we didn't want this guy just thinking he was just walking into this perfect situation that yeah. we just built from the ground up. Yeah. Which, translation, <laughs> Kirk was basically like, we wanted him to know that shit ain't sweet out here. Yeah. So they treated him like garbage for a while. And you had some nerve, Kirk, because it could have easily been you gone. It's true. Yeah. But that's life. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so again, I can't really place blame on them for not, for wanting to give him a bit of a hard time. But right. I, I can't place blame on him for being excited. It's just one of those things. It's just, it's just the whole thing sucks. Yeah. The whole situation is just terrible. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So they ended up treating him not the best, and it culminates um, in a little uh, audio surprise, as I will call it, because their next album, and Justice for All, Mm -hmm. is known for having, like, no bass on the album. (laughs) Like, it's infamous for the bass being, like, super turned down, which is, like, I can't confirm that they did it to fuck with Jason, but if they did, that's so petty. To yeah. affect your own artwork that you're all putting out together right. to slight him because he's the replacement. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to see it more on a positive note. I want to say it's more like a moment of silence for Cliff. Ah, no bass on this album for Cliff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's just, ah, that was good. I like that. That was a good spin. <laughs> um, yeah, so they put out that album. Um, obviously, it's a little different mm-hmm. just because, you know, you lose a quarter of the band. The yeah. music is going to be a little different. Yeah. Um, so these songs are a little longer, a yeah. little more extended. Yeah. I love the album title, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the album title. I love the album. Yes. Especially one <laughs> on that album. Fantastic song. Mm-hmm. And they went, they played that shit on the Grammys. Yeah. And they were like the first metal band to like be given that like national stage. Yeah. Because again, we were saying like. Master of Puppets came out. They were filling arenas before radio was even touching them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really crazy. Mm-hmm. And I it, love it like that because they're big, but they're not that big. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why the fan connection is the whole thing with them. Mm-hmm. Like, the fans brought them to where they are. Mm-hmm. And they understand that. And they still they still appreciate that. You could tell. For sure. You know? Um, so they just keep getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And they, they're playing stadiums. They're At this point, they're... One of, if not the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And this is before they even come out with the next album. Yeah. And you got to think, like, you know, Queen is huge at this time. Like, you know what I'm saying? In the early 80s, like, Queen is big. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? We're talking about, like, 86, 87. Yeah. Well, uh, when Justice for All was 89, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Freddie's yeah, still yeah, yeah. alive. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're, like, you're neck and neck with fucking Freddie Mercury. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's huge, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it is huge. And um, yeah, they just keep getting bigger. And that culminates in the next album. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, it's self-titled. It's just called Metallica. But we all call it the Black Album. Yes. It's just That's what it is. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you buy it at the store, you're like, oh, I'm going to get the Black Album. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> needs a Black Album, okay? If you're big, if you're good, call it the Black Album or nickname it the Black Album. And you can't go wrong. Uh-uh. And this 
this album really brought them even more into the mainstream. Yes. I mean, this album sold like 20 million. I mean, mm-hmm. Double Diamond. Double Diamond's fun to say. Yeah, yeah. And when this album drops, people are like, shit. I got to start ripping this music from the airwaves. I got to start stealing this music <laughs> and not Soon. paying for it. It's Soon. coming up. It's coming. That's that's what we call a four hanger <laughs> on this show. It's foreshadowing and it's a cliffhanger. Uh-huh. It's a four hanger. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they put that album out and it's just it's giant. Mm-hmm. It's just huge. It's, it's so many hits on there. Um, Enter Sandman, probably their most famous song. Yes. Side story about Ender Sandman, and you know about this with my uncle. Yeah. Oh, I gotta, yeah. I got to talk about this. Ooh, this is dope. So my uncle, um, he passed away a few years ago, and he was like um, a guy that ran a lot of like clubs down in like Fort Lauderdale, like South Florida area. Mm-hmm. So he, he wanted his funeral to be like a party, right? Like it was in like a venue with like a stage. There was an open bar, which I thought was crazy. Nice. I, I had just turned like 21, so I was just like, oh, I can like drink at my uncle's funeral. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He wants you to, all right? So he, don't he go really against did. his wishes, yeah, yeah. all right? So don't mind like your parents' eyes or your grandparents' eyes on you, okay? Just send him a cheers from across the room. <laughs> that's what it was. And I'm sitting there in this like concert hall. With, yeah. There's balconies in this place. Whoa, I didn't even know it was that huge. It was a big place. Uh-huh. And they're playing Enter Sandman on repeat <laughs> and i'm literally you know me like i'm always gonna notice the music wherever i'm at yeah so i'm just sitting here like you know the first time they play it i'm like oh this is pretty aggressive for a funeral mm-hmm. but you know it is what it is but then they just kept playing it over and over and <laughs> over again and at one point i'm like what's going on like <laughs> this is kind of insane like is this, is the is the stereo broken like i don't know what's happening here so i found one of my uncle's friends and I was just like, hey, man, like, what's with the music? Like, this, I really wasn't expecting this at the funeral. He was like, let me tell you something. When this song came out, I was hanging out with Paul. And he said to me, this is the song I want to go out to. Nice. <laughs> and he remembered that. So when it was time for the funeral, he was like, yo, this is the song. <laughs> We're playing it. This is what he would have wanted. And it's so dope. I, I love, I already love the song, but after that happened, I had even so much more respect for the song. I'm just like, Metallica is just so much deeper than I even thought it was. Mm-hmm. I, that, that people would really li- be like, first time hearing this song, I want to die to that shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's crazy. It is. It is. But, Take my hand. Yeah. Yeah. And the, there's so many songs on this album. Yes. And a big reason why I think this album became the success that it was is something that we talk about with Metallica all the time. Um, there's a lot more vulnerability yeah. in this album. It's yeah. not as thrashy. There's some quieter parts. There's some more pretty parts. And there's some really deep, just like emotional parts to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And part of the thing about Metallica that just draws you in so much is they can be so aggressive, but there's always that vulnerability behind it that yeah. makes you really feel like you know them as people. They're not just caricatures of like rock musicians. You yeah, know? yeah. I personally love the fact that I can hear the pain in James's voice and I can hear the emotion in the playing, like when they play. I, I'm dying to go to a show, not necessarily just, to, well, not only, I should say, to hear the music, but also to hear what they say in between when they're talking to us, when they're mm-hmm. talking to the crowd, you know, because yeah. we've already established that that's the kind of guys that they are. They need to connect with you or else they don't want to see you <laughs> if you don't connect with metallica <laughs> then go to the motley crew concert <laughs> sorry boys um 
Yeah, so it's just one of the biggest albums. I mean, probably the only album bigger that year was probably Nevermind by Nirvana. True. I mean, I don't see what else is on par with that. Maybe what the Use Your Illusions, but we'll get to that. Yeah, it's getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so obviously, when you put out a giant album, what do you do? Get a you... Grammy? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Possibly do that. Yes. <laughs> but you go on tour. Yes. And it was funny. I was saying, um, or I heard, I think it was Kirk said, he was like, when when the album is that big, you could tour on it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So they were touring like for like two years nonstop, off, just based off that album. Yes. But again, as Kirk would say, definitely not my words, definitely mm-hmm. not paraphrasing, uh, shit ain't always sweet out here. <laughs> So some things went down on this tour. Yeah. They were in Montreal mm-hmm. playing the Olympic Stadium. Yes. Kind of a flex. Mm-hmm. No big deal. As Metallica does. As they do. Low key. Mm-hmm. Low key flex. <laughs> um, and this was a show that they were doing with the other biggest band in the world mm-hmm. by the name of Guns N' Roses. That's right. Who you can see his the guitars, the two guitars hanging out up here, Slash yeah. and James, they, they go way back. They're corroborating up here, our yeah, story. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch it on YouTube so you know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're on tour. Metallica, Guns N' Roses. Metallica had a lot of pyrotechnics mm-hmm. as part of their show. And at one point, I guess James wasn't sure where he was supposed to be standing on the stage. Right. And he was up a little too much. And whoever was taking care of the pyro, like, didn't see him in time. Yeah. And he hit the button. Yes. And he basically turned James into the human torch. Yes, he did. Like, flame on. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, he literally just his whole... I mean, we're talking about 3,000 degree heat here. Just Mm -hmm. from 12 Mm -hmm. foot high wall of flames that's just engulfs james yeah i mean it's crazy like it's crazy that he survived that yes it is but he did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. unscathed <laughs> exactly i mean kirk was saying that like first of all this made me laugh he said you okay man <laughs> <laughs> yes like, I'm, I'm fine which that, that made me laugh but then also i was like well what would i say if you know what i mean i'd be like are you alive I'm, you're not gonna ask that you're gonna be like are you okay and apparently james was just like and, like, he put his hands out, and Kurt could see his skin fucking bubbling. Insane. Just, like, yeah. I mean, it. it's 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 crazy. It's literally, they turned him into the human torch. Yes, yeah. You're definitely crossing another level there. Yeah. Absolutely. You're coming out of that, and you're going to survive, and you're going to make more records, more albums. Yeah. That's... Oh, that's something else. That's all I can say. That's yeah. something else. But the thing is, we're not done with this night. No. <laughs> because, and we talked about this in the Guns N' Roses podcast. So, so Lars comes out. We're so sorry. You know, there was an incident. James can't perform anymore. We, we just can't, we can't perform the show. I mean, what are we going to do? He's our lead singer. He's a guitar. We can't, we can't do it. We're sorry. Right. We promise we'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you have another huge band. Yep. To, you know, kind of save the day. But that didn't happen. No. Because we all know that Axel is a bit of a diva. Mm-hmm. Axel Rose, mm-hmm. lead singer of Guns N' Roses, if mm-hmm. you don't know. <laughs> and he was having some, I don't know, some audio issues. Yeah. And he just stormed the stage and fucking left. Yeah. Because he was like, I'm not going to be outshone by anyone else. <laughs> I got <laughs> Spotlight is on me, damn it. You're going to set people on fire? And I already have red hair? Yeah. Pissed it's not fair. Completely. So they played like a song or two and then they left. Yeah. So now the crowd of 50,000 people is like, we just got shafted yeah. by the two biggest bands in the world. I don't know how much money they pay for the tickets. 
But you have a whole stadium of angry ass people. Yes, because we're talking about 50,000 metalheads and rockers, not 50,000 yacht rockers. We're not talking about 50,000 Mariah Carey fans. Right. Well, you know? they probably might rip the stage too, but maybe. But <laughs> no. it, it will be a different kind of aggression. Exactly. Be like, no. <laughs> but Mariah's our queen. <laughs> um, yeah. So they they rioted. They yeah. d- they destroyed the stadium and shit. Got and to. It was <laughs> you got to. <laughs> and it was funny. I saw Kirk. This this was funny. Um, they were saying Metallica said that this tour taught them a lot about what not to do mm-hmm. as a huge famous rock band, and sorry, it was Jason. They went into the the lo- the locker room. The dressing room after, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all the Guns N' Roses is just in there chilling, like nothing's happening, like there's not a riot going on outside, Mm-mm. and Axel's sitting there with a cigarette <laughs> and a glass of champagne, and he was like, oh yeah, I was having some problems with my voice, <laughs> and Jason's like, really? It's interesting that you're smoking and drinking then when there's a fucking riot going on because our singer just almost died and you quit the show, you fuck. Like, that is definitely what he was thinking. Yeah. It's like, well, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Nothing. Mm, Talk Ax- about Axel's it. Axel's going to be Axel. Yeah, let it be rock history. And that's, that is what it is. Yeah. So, obviously, um, that ended up in a lot of damage. <laughs> and James was rushed to the hospital immediately. Yeah. And obviously he survived, but I mean, there was a time where he was like, I don't even know if I'll ever be able to play guitar again. Exactly. And it, this also shows the dedication that they have. Apparently like the first thing that he like said, like to the people around was like, well, we got to get a replacement guitar so we can keep playing the tour. That's like one of the first things that he's like, how is that your first thought? Yeah. That's dedication. That's nobility. How noble of you. How noble James. Yeah. And now James and Axel are best friends to this day. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's totally that's totally uh, true. Yeah, but also too, you know, him not knowing if he's gonna play guitar ever again. Um, I'm glad he had the willpower and the drive to do it again because you just put things into perspective. <laughs> the words can't come out of my mouth. You put things into perspective, and you're just like, well, what else am I gonna do? And it it doesn't mean that doing something else besides being a rocker is anything bad. But if you weigh out your life and mm-hmm. you know, you got to just kind of see the future. It's like, what can I spend 30 or 40 years more doing? Right. You know, what am I willing to do? And he chose some music. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. And it all, you know, it all kind of makes sense. Like when you see the overarching like picture, it's like they willed themselves to be where they were. Absolutely. And James is going to will himself to continue being there. Mm-hmm. It's like, if he can physically do it, he's He's not making any excuses. Right. You know what I mean? And so he, he came back. Um, they got like their guitar tech to play the guitar while he was just singing the rest of the songs. Yeah. And they finished this giant tour and they took a year off. Yeah. Much needed. Mm-hmm. I would say. Absolutely. It, it was fun. I also saw James talking about this time. He's like, yeah, I picked up some safer hobbies, you know, like hunting and motorcycle riding. <laughs> okay. Because the dude is clearly a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But good for him. Yeah. When you have so much uh, like close death around you, I could see somebody wanting to like challenge their life all the time too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. So then, yeah, they, they split up. Um, I think Kirk went to like school. Mm-hmm. Um. Jason started some other projects, you know, James is probably just recovering and getting into those other hobbies. I don't know what Lars was doing. Probably some business shit. Tennis drumming. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he started drumming with tennis rackets. It's Next. a new style. Nobody's <laughs> seen it before. You bounce the ball on the drum and then you slap it with a racket, but then you mic up the racket 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Or you add, like, guitar ah, strings and you electrify the racket. <laughs> right. So you get the drum mic and the, yep. the racket mic. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you do it. Production. <laughs> um, yeah. So they took they took a year off and they come back with the new album, Load. Mm-hmm. And some new haircuts. Yes, yes, yes. And people are like, W-T-F. Why? How? What? No. <laughs> I believe that's the general which consensus. at the end of the day just like people don't really like change <laughs> because kirk was like you listen to metallica for the music you don't listen to metallica for our hair excuse like, <laughs> me mtv trained us differently okay kirk? yeah okay we need the look and the music yeah. simultaneously you know what you look like good. in the one video exactly exactly <laughs> you keep doing that never change <laughs> Yeah, so they put that out. And now, again, you know, it is, I heard them saying this. I thought this was interesting. This is like five years after the Black Album. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if the last thing you saw from them was the Black Album, and then you have Load, it's like, wow, what happened to this band? Yeah. There's a lot of differences. Yeah. You and know? that's actually kind of spiritual in a way, because they say that hair holds energy and stuff like that. Uh, and if you want to do uh, like a new beginning kind of thing, a lot of people cut their hair and stuff yeah. like that to just re- rejuvenate. Yeah, there's a word. Right. I made up that word just now. Re-rejuvenate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, so they put out Load. Mm-hmm. Again, at this point, it's like any album they put out is going to go number one and it's going to go platinum. They are it's a just, machine. It's just what it is. Yeah. 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 The Metallica machine. The Metallica machine. Mm. Part of the Metallica militia. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so they put out Load goes number one they put out reload like mm-hmm. the next year goes number one reload was awesome and then at what point does jason leave it's after this right yes he leaves it like right after this um i don't know why but then i do know why but then i don't but then i do i think i think we all know why <laughs> why jason jason let us know in the comments why you left yeah jason give us a call <laughs> But at this point, it's like and it is crazy. At this point, you're all you're in this band for over ten years, mm-hmm. and you're still the new guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and you've been you've been so successful. You've done all these things. It's just at some point you're like, I want to get out of this machine. Mm-hmm. And he did. He yeah. left and he started his own bands, but obviously aren't as successful as Metallica. Nobody's as successful as Metallica. But that's okay. You just need the billing. You know, I I play Metallica. You know, you gotta yeah, like, hit that your was chest me. exactly. Exactly. So then he just lived his life and he's still living his life and, you know, good for him for, yeah. for, you know, taking control and being like, you know what? Like, I've done this. I see what this is. I don't want this to be my life anymore. This is a quote from Johnny Rotten. If you want to stop being a rock star, then just stop. stop. Just stop. That's right. And that's what he did. Uh-huh. So they, here we are again. We need a new bass player. Uh-huh. And they got a guy that used to play for Ozzy. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I, did, I forgot to mention this. In the 80s... They were opening for Ozzy. Yeah. And Ozzy was like, fuck, how am I going to follow these guys? Because <laughs> you're crazy. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. But it, but that's crazy that he was like, the crowd was going wild. I was, I was getting nervous. I'm like, you're Ozzy. Yeah. But I love that about, just a little tiny segue, I love that about Ozzy too. He's extremely vulnerable as well. And yeah, he'll yeah. let you know, like when he's scared, when he's yeah. not feeling right. Like, I love that about, for I sure. mean, these metal guys, I mean, a lot of people in the music industry should take some notes on like, you know, a little bit of humility, vulnerability from the crazy metal 
Bible, guys. Well, it's what we said. I don't remember. I don't even remember what uh, podcast we said this on, but I feel like a lot of the metal like look is really just putting on a tough exterior to try to guard yourself, right? Yeah. Like every person that I've met that's like a metalhead is really a sensitive person deep that's down. That's true. You know what I mean? Yes. But yeah. you don't want people to be approaching you and thinking you're like a pushover and shit. So right. you might dress a certain way to be like scary. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. most people. Well, most people in general are pretty sensitive, but definitely metalheads, I think, are definitely a lot kinder than the, you know, the, the reputation that they get. Yeah. But that's a whole other story. True. So they end up with um, the former Aussie bass player, mm-hmm. Robert mm-hmm. Trujillo. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. I, I love... <laughs> I, I, didn't, I don't know. I was like, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy's stage presence. Yes, me the too. The crab walk thing that yeah, he does is yeah. so dope. It gets yeah. me hyped up. Yeah, you know? that's very rock and roll. You know, duck walk is taken. Yeah, and then also have been has been immortalized by someone else as well. Mm-hmm. Angus, we love you. And so, before that, yeah, it was Chuck. Of course, Chuck. yeah, Chuck came up with it. Angus, who Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry is Angus's guitar hero, mm-hmm. and Chuck and um. um Angus has carried the torch. So you're like, what other kind of animal can yeah. I use? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Horse walk? Horse gallop? No. No, 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 no. Fish waddle. No. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds lame. But you know what else is funny? I, I just thought about that now. I feel, I feel like it only works because it's bass. Because the bass is a bigger instrument. So yeah. it makes sense you've got to like get a strong stance. Yeah. You know, if it was a guitar, a guitar is smaller, you might look kind of goofy doing that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. But with the bass, and he's kind of a thick dude too. That's true. So That's it true. Gets, with him, this it just works. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, that doesn't really matter, but I just love that. And nothing else matters. matters. But I just love I love his, his crab walk thing that he does. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they... I mean, yeah, he comes into the band, and it's crazy because he's like the new guy. But I mean, he's been in the band for like twenty years now. Well, yeah, definitely like twenty years. He's he's the mene- mel- what is wrong with my words today? It's been a long day. Um, he is the millennium Metallica. Yeah, yeah, Metallica. Yeah, yeah, because that's that. Now I'm giving him um an actual title. Yeah. Instead of Metallica, the band, he's an actual Metallica. Metallica. <laughs> they took her derbs. If you're Jason. He took your job. Exactly. <laughs> it took her germs. Okay. But yeah, I mean, and then once he gets in the band, I mean, they just they just never have stopped. I no. mean, here we are. We're 40 years into Metallica. Insane. Every time they put out an album, it's going to go platinum. Yeah. Every time they put out an album, it's going to go number one. It's yeah. probably going to debut at number one. Yeah. And it just is what it is. And they all look great, by the way, too. Which that's is true. That's a, a saying for metal music, hard rock, anything, that kind of lifestyle. Remember, they started out as big-time alcoholics. Right. Alcohol is not very kind on the body, like, you know what I mean? And, like, they definitely uh, stood the test of time, too. Um, People don't really love, love, love St. Anger, but mm. I got to shout out that album because um, I had a dachshund who was kind of bipolar, and yeah. my brother other nicknamed him saint anger that's funny <laughs> so shout out to norton may you rest in peace shout out. so it was saint anger and then the, the newest one is death magnetic right that yeah. was a few years ago yeah yeah shout out mm-hmm. but again it's just like the music is always great and they just always do what they do and everybody loves them yeah. i mean it's really crazy how long they've been around and how people still feel such a connection to them like we were saying before like yeah. they don't have like that jugger they are a juggernaut yeah don't get me wrong but they don't have that 
status that it seems like they're so big that you can't relate. Right. Like they're untouchable or they're like better than you are yeah. and stuff. And they really care about the progression of music and how it goes. Right. Cause so we can get back into Napster. Oh and talk yeah, yeah. About, they warned yeah, us yeah. and they were like, people, this isn't good for you. Yeah. In the, what was it in the late nineties? Yeah. Here comes Lars. Uh huh. This is when Nap- Napster was the first streaming site, right? Where yes. people could stream music for free. Free. Yeah. And, Lars was the first one to be like, hey, um, music industry, hey, everybody, I don't know if you're paying attention here, but this is going to destroy the entire industry. Like, everything that you've built is going to come crumbling down because of this. Mm-hmm. But the general public is just like, yo, how rich are you? Exactly. And how mad are you that I've got a Metallica song for free? Shut don't the fuck up. Don't be such a killjoy, Lars. But the thing is, he was completely right. He was. He was. And is. Yeah. Because he's here to see it happen. Yeah. That's like watching a building crumble that you don't want to fall down. Like, yeah. you just watch it and you're just like, whoa. Thank God I'm rich. No, I don't know. <laughs> Good thing I got five other buildings. <laughs> but no, but even like, even if everybody knew he was right, it's like, what would you have done anyway? The right. shit was going to happen. Yeah. And it's obviously by design. If, if it's allowed to happen, then some big wig was like, I'll allow it. Yeah, and then this is the time where the internet is, is coming up and people are really starting to figure out how to use it. Yeah. Clearly somebody's going to be like, yo, check out this song. Yeah. Oh, shit, I just got this song without paying for it. Exactly. Like, it doesn't even have... Like, I feel like it was more of a bottom-up thing. Yeah. More, as opposed to, you know, a top-down kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Because, I mean, people were bootlegging music already and before that, from yeah, the yeah, 70s, yeah. from before the Forever. 70s, you know. Yeah. So, but now it, you have a carbon imprint. Now mm-hmm. you can trace that back to something. So now it's, like, very obvious that mm-hmm. this computer over here in this corner in Brooklyn is definitely taking this kind of music. And before, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to go on the street there's some guy with a whole bunch of tapes laying out. Yes. Or I'm going to tape from the radio or videotape from the TV on my VHS. But know? the thing about that is that it was way harder. Yeah. Because you had to actually physically find the guy with yeah. the tapes. That's or you true. had to wait till the song comes up on the radio. That's true. Versus with streaming, you can get anything you want at any time. That's true. I all mean, over the world. Yeah. All over the world, wherever you are. Yeah. I mean, it's just the level of difficulty and ease that streaming brought to music. I mean, this could be a whole podcast in itself. Like, we is streaming good for music? Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole other topic we can get into. Let but us it, know in the comments if you want us to talk about that. Yeah, tell us. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is that Lars is right. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. They're still one of the biggest bands ever. Yeah. They can still... This was a great quote that I heard from Jason. Um, they said uh, during the Black Album, you know, it sold so well that people were saying that Metallica sold out. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, people are saying that. People are saying that, and this is what Jason said. One of, I think, all-time great quote. He was like, you're right, we do sell out. We sell out every place <laughs> and every seat that we play. I love that. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, he's right. That's and his awesome. face when he said it, too. I think it was on, like, Behind the Music or whatever. You know, I'm looking up a bunch of stuff for this. I wonder what year he said that. It looked like the 90s. It reminds me of Goodfellas. It reminds me of Joe Pesci and Goodfellas when the mom is like, why don't you settle down with a girl? He was like, I settle down with a girl every night. And then I wake up the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. No, no, I think it was when he was still in the band. So it was probably 90s. But yeah, his face when he said, he's like, we do sell out. We sell out wherever we play. And we sell out every seat. That's right. And that's just is what it is. You're right, dude. Yeah. But I mean... What else, what else do you say about Metallica? They're the fucking best. They are. They are. Like, you just, I mean, wow. wow. Like, you just can't make this stuff up. You, I mean, you, they came up with a 
Lars came up with a name and it's just like you they are exactly what the band says that they are yes. you know what i'm saying they are metal and they are metallica you know what i yes. mean and whatever comes after just like um parents have children metal has metallica <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's another reason why it's it's so easy to still connect with them because you know that's really them mm-hmm. like you do feel like you know them in a way like mm-hmm. like i don't feel like i know mick jagger no no you know what i mean like I'm just trying to think because there's only so many people you can compare it to because there's only so many bands that have ever been that big. Yeah. But I don't feel like a personal connection to the Rolling Stones. No, Like, no. they're so huge for so long. I appreciate the music. Yeah. But it's a different thing with Metallica. It's like, I feel like I know these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just... Mm-hmm. And I, I think that has a lot to do with it, too, is like, you just know that this is really what they're about. Like, they're not putting anything on. Like, they never... You know, they changed their sound a little bit, but they clearly were never chasing the trends of what was happening. Correct. They were setting the trends. Exactly. I'm like, they are the trend. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... In summation, yes. Metallica is the best. Yeah. They are the greatest, heaviest band that's ever existed. True. They sell out every night, <laughs> every seat, and they're just absolute legends. We'll be talking about Metallica as long as we live. Exactly. And if you don't know, I would like to say you better ask somebody. But here, if you don't know, we feel sorry for you. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you didn't know, you definitely know now after Absolutely. however... I don't even know how far we're into this podcast at I this point, know. but yeah. but thanks for being here. Yes. We appreciate you if you made it to this point. Thanks, guys. We are Sight After Dark. We are. And we are Music Maniacs. We are. And apparently you are too for being here, so yeah. we appreciate you. All right, so let us know if we got anything wrong here. Mm-hmm. We usually do get some things wrong. Of course. Um, let us know what episodes you'd like to see us make. Um, if you want to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com, patreon.com slash music maniacs. And that's pretty much it. Peace guys. See Keep you next time. Metallic. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm